This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. I'm Johnny Hart. Each week we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analysts. And this week it's Craig Earlham in London and Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Of course, um, pretty dramatic data to start the week. WTI going into negative territory. It's something to tell the grandchildren about, isn't it? Do you remember when they couldn't give oil away, Granddad? It was an amazing start to the week, wasn't it? It really was. It's something that when I was speaking to people a month ago about the prospect of negative oil, my answer at the time was, theoretically, yes, it's possible, but realistically, it's extremely unlikely seeing that we were heading for production cuts of some kind, the situation would never become so severe that people were giving oil away. But then I feel like we're constantly being surprised uh, by events uh, over the course of even just this year, let alone the past few years as well. So quite remarkable events. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens now with the June contract, because that's a few weeks away from uh, the end of trading. And you're going to see a lot of what lessons have been learned, how many people are still trading in the June, how many people have just pushed back to the July contracts. They don't want to get caught up in, in that type of fiasco again. And also what's going to happen with general production as well, whether OPEC are going to commit to more cuts, whether uh, we're going to see um, US shale uh, production decline quite significantly, which it hasn't really yet. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if we do see that materialise again in a few weeks' time. And Ed, oil has made a recovery over the last couple of days uh, what does that indicate i think that we're starting to see the, the the markets kind of digest that historic plunge and uh for the most part uh you are going to start to see uh production cuts all across the world because they're just running out of space to store uh oil uh, tank tops are going to get filled um by possibly the first week or second week of may and uh, with that you're going to have uh, all the major oil players have to, you know, shut in production. And uh, I think uh, what uh, everyone is focused on is uh, next week, because next week's the, the big week for earnings season for uh, all the major energy players, Shell, Total, Chevron, Exxon. They're all going to report and they're all going to provide um, further updates on what they're going to do with production and, and most likely continuing to slash their capital expenditures. There's just not enough place to store the crude. The production cuts that have been agreed upon by OPEC Plus, just not making up for that that demand devastation that we've seen from COVID-19. Uh, they're about 10 million barrels short, but really, I think oil prices are going to need to see something that um, over uh, kind of make up that 10 million barrels of, or roughly, it's more than 10 million barrels of, of shortfall in production cuts. And, and you're, you're not going to see, I think, any real demand relief scenarios as uh, I think you're probably going to see uh, the reopening of economies uh, just uh, not come happen as early as many were anticipating, uh, especially in the U.S. Maybe uh, it's a little bit different uh, uh, over by you. Uh, but I, I think that um, right now oil prices are going to remain a volatile trade. Right now, though, you've seen prices somewhat shown some signs of stabilizing but i think uh you're 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 gonna have uh, a lot more uh, wild swings in the coming weeks because we're we're gonna see 
who is going to blink first, who is going to be the first ones to deliver production cuts. Because in the end, this is all about market share. The Saudis and Russians are trying to make back market share that they lost to the U.S. shale. So this is going to go down to the wire, and uh, we'll see exactly how many small shale manufacturer companies are going to go out of business. And I think uh, in the end, uh, you're, you're probably going to still see heavy prices just because of the, the demand outlook. But um, for now, uh, you are seeing oil somewhat show some signs of stabilizing here. Craig, the FTSE ended the week 74 points lower at 5,752, started the week on 5,787. As far as markets are concerned, are we in a bit of a holding pattern at the moment, waiting for something to happen? In, in a way, I think the holding pattern is kind of dependent on the earnings season. I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw markets bounce back quite strongly over the course of the last month. And where the rally started to hold up was right at the start of earnings season. Investors have been uh, happy to overlook uh, and give a free pass to a lot of the economic data we've seen. Even that the shocking jobless claims figures uh, that we've seen in the US completely ignored. The PMIs this week in Europe were utterly, utterly horrendous. But because you don't really know the permanent nature of them, and this is what makes this crisis so different to the past, you don't know how much of it's temporary and how much of it's permanent. You don't know what's going to happen when the lockdown opens, how many people are still going to be employed, and therefore how many people are still going to have money. There's so many unanswered questions, it seems, that people are willing to give this free pass to a lot of this data and the question going into earnings season was always going to be we've seen a strong bounce back in stock markets now are people going to give the same free pass to companies who are who are posting bottom line numbers um but i think the next couple of weeks could be really key once we start to see the really big names uh, all reporting around the same time what about those unemployment figures in the united states ed uh, what do they tell us a massive numbers are coming through where are we going with this i mean at the moment we're looking at sort of 20 percent and upwards, it could get even worse than that, couldn't it? Yeah, everyone's focused on what what type of job losses we're going to see from this coronavirus. And uh, right now, the the total is 26 million over the past five weeks. And uh, uh, expectations are that it's still going to have um, several more million. Uh, next week is supposed to see another three and a half million of uh, initial jobless claims. And uh, I, I think there's just growing concern that... Uh, the amount of job loss, some of this is going to be permanent, um, and it's going to really uh, derail a lot of those uh, U-shaped recovery calls because you're not going to see uh, economic activity return back to normal anytime soon. Um, I think there was hope that by the end of the year, you would see uh, much more of a, a normal market. Right now, it, it seems that uh, with the uh, uncertainty with the coronavirus, you're probably going to see uh, investors just remain skeptical that economies can properly reopen and stay open. I think there's that mounting fear that you're going to have another wave in the winter. Uh, there's also concerns that the social distancing, the lockdown measures are not being uh, properly followed through. And uh, you're, you're seeing um, uh, Georgia, who is testing uh, reopening parts of uh, their state right now. So I think there's going to be a tremendous focus on what happens in Georgia. And uh, if, if they start to see uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, a lot more a spike higher in cases, that's going to re really derail the rest of the country's outlook as far as reopening. And then the other concern is these next few days are going to be critical because if Georgia starts to reopen 
And if let's say the American consumer does not come back, if the American consumer is 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 uh, cautious, that's going to be really concerning for economic activity going forward. So there's a, a ton of uncertainty right now. And all this is happening while you continue to see massive amounts of stimulus being thrown in. Trump today, President Trump signed that 484 billion coronavirus package into law today. So that's another mounting stimulus program that's just being uh, piled in here. And you're, you're seeing all this this uh, stimulus kind of provide us with this, this safety net for uh, risky assets for global equities. Uh, but but uh, if, we, if we don't see economic activity come back, uh, it's not going to, uh, these gains are not going to be sustained. And uh, it, it's all it's all about the, the when will it pick up and activity will be permanently back in place when we have a vaccine. And uh, countless health experts, they'll say it's, let's say 12 months, 12 to 18 months, 18 months to 24 months. So let's say at least a year. Uh, so until we have that vaccine in place, you're going to see a large population of uh, 50 and above who have the most disposable income who are uh, going to, unfortunately, if they're falling into that category, they're not going to be contributing as, as much as they were in the past. So you're going to see a lot of headwinds for um, a higher optimism here for our stock markets. And, and there's going to be growing concerns in the, in the, in the short term. I believe uh, uh, that um, all this stimulus is, is going to be um, as effective as, as initially expected. So uh, we're, we're, we're probably going to see uh, markets right now consolidate a little bit until we have further clarity on this. And uh, I think in, in the end, uh, um, the next month is going to remain fairly volatile, especially too when you consider uh, there are several vaccines being tested right now, and uh, we should start to see some of those initial results within a month or two. So unfortunately, it seems like we're going to be still trading headlines to headline let's look ahead to the next few days and what should we look out for in the week ahead i suppose it's all about uh, earnings isn't it yeah it's hard to look past earnings to be honest over the course of the next week obviously what we've learned this week is that earnings can um come up to uh up some competition from other stories uh the coronavirus obviously is still going to be very dominant um and the data that we're going to see now over the coming days is going to is still going to dictate sentiment in many ways and there's always going to be surprise stories around that, as we saw earlier this week, uh, with regards to um, the potential cures, etc. That is going to uh, create more headlines, maybe, than some of these earnings stories. But I really, really feel like over the coming weeks, we are going to get into the thick of earnings season. And I think that is going to primarily uh, dominate. And between now and again, like I said, the oil story this week was primarily based on the fact that we were nearing the end of trading on that contract, which is what created that frenzy. We're a few weeks away from the next example of that so it's hard to really look past earnings we've got things like the ecb meeting next week but there's kind of a feeling of who cares about the central bank meetings at this point because the fact is that central banks aren't waiting for schedule ordinary scheduled meetings to make these announcements they're very much using um these unscheduled meetings to do so uh, whether that is the ecb even this week saying that they will accept um, junk bonds as collateral as long as they went junk after the 7th of April basically when this whole um, when, when the frenzy in the markets uh, in the bond markets um, with Italy for example really started to uh, kick off um, so there's certain announcements which are coming outside of these meetings which doesn't really leave that much too much for the meetings themselves the only thing I would say with that ECB meeting in particular is 
by accepting junk bonds as collateral from the banks um, after the announcement this week, then it has opened the door in many people's eyes to the ECB accepting junk bonds as part of its quantitative easing program, which will enable it to expand that more greatly. They've already accepted Greek debt. So that's one thing that we could potentially learn from this meeting, but there's not going to be a kind of knockout um, announcement that people are expecting at this moment in time. So yeah, it really does just all come back to earnings season for me. And uh, Ed, what are you looking out for apart from earnings? I, I think we have a, the Fed policy meeting, which you're going to see. Um, I think the Fed finally take a little bit of a break as far as all the the new uh, initiatives they've announced over the past uh, several weeks. Um, there, there, there's, uh, I think, uh, enough action that has been uh, given to satisfy markets. Uh, the, the Fed's approval rating is at uh, almost to a Greenspan levels, and uh, there, there's um, optimism here that the Fed has done their job. With uh, just kind of uh, adding on to what Craig said, I think Thursday's the big day for currencies, and that's when you have Apple and Amazon report. Uh, so that's going to provide uh, pretty much uh, the next move for tech. And, you know, if you take a look at the major U.S. indices, a lot of that is tech heavy. Uh, so I think that's going to be a key close to watch after uh, those two giants report. OK, guys, have a very good weekend and stay safe, of course. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great one. Thank you. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.